Amen. Aren't you glad that it didn't matter whether you've seen him working or not, that there was Jesus? Um, whew, that's tough. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, in just a minute. Uh, I'd like to thank just the church for giving me an opportunity to share what, uh, <clears throat> what I felt like God gave me to speak about this morning. Um, I didn't know when I was going to preach it, but when we were in Dallas, um, there's a speaker came up, his name's Matt Chandler, some of you may have heard of him or listened to him before, and he got to, to this verse that we're fixing to look at, and it was just like, God just turned on a fire hose, here, take it, um, now, I'm uh, not going to speak about exactly what he spoke about, but... Um, I want you to think about, though, what moves you. What do you wake up in the morning, and what gives you the drive to keep going? What is it that, you know, you, you get up and you go to work for each day? What is it that, um, you know, keeps you pushing yourself you know, on and on in life. And, you know, there's, there's many examples, you know, things that you feel like you live for, um, you know, whether that be work itself or, you know, you do, you're, you're one of those type of people who just love to be around people, that you love to be around your friends. Um, or whether it's hunting or fishing or... Um, you know, all of those things are, there's nothing wrong with those things. But where do you put them in your life? Where do they, what number are they? If you've if you numbered those things in your life, what number are they? So, um, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, before we read God's Word, let's, let me... Uh, open us up in prayer, and, and hopefully you don't hear from me today. Hopefully you hear from him. Um, Heavenly Father, I, I bow before your presence, God, and I'm thankful that you are here um, to move and convict that your that your Holy Spirit would would speak to each and every person that's here, and what I feel like you've given me, um, you would. Open up that that hose that when you gave me uh, these words, God, that um, you would give this, this the same thing to this con congregation, um, God, in this in this time of change of leadership in our church, um, we need people to um, to step up and help be leaders. 
to help be servants, to help be doers of, of the church, and not just show up, God. And, and I pray that you would convict each and every one of us on how we should move, God. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, Paul wants the Corinthians to know that he wants them to see him for his heart. Not for what's on the outside, but see me for my heart. You may think that I'm crazy. Verse 13, you, people say that I'm out of my mind, but if I am out of my mind, it's for Christ. And in verse 14, Paul says, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died. That word compelled, and this is the actual uh, definition of the word compelled, and this is what Matt Chandler brought out. The word compelled means to be pressed on every side, to hold together, to be seized. So what is moving you in life? Or another way to look at it is, what is holding your life together? If you have a big rubber band around you that's keeping you together, what's the label on that band? What's keeping you sane and progressing? Paul here would say, that Christ's love compels him. Christ's love moves him. Paul understands the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. And is that what's compelling you? You know, I think in, in the church world, we take it lightly when somebody says, Jesus Christ died on a cross. But no, like Jesus Christ shed his blood. Just like that song we just, like, he didn't, this is, here's a quote, Jesus Christ didn't tithe his blood for you. He gave all of it. And that's what he goes on to say there, that Jesus Christ died for all, and not some should die, not part of you should die, but all of you should die. You should die to yourself and give your life to Jesus Christ. So when was the last time Jesus Christ's love moved you to action? We're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to see Paul talking again um, just about things that we should be doing in the church. Um, and when I read this, I thought, well, if we're not doing those things, could we be missing Jesus? Which is the title of my sermon. Good, 
Good thing Amy's on board up there. I don't think I even told you that. Missing Jesus. Even when you didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we'll start in verse 12. Paul starts out chapter 5 um, talking about the return of Christ and how um, we should be children of light and to not be in darkness, to be awake, to be sober, to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. And then we read in verse 12, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. I told Daniel this was coming. Not specifically, but this guy works his tail off for the church. And right now, He's the only leader we got. When was the last time that you acknowledged that? When was the last time you said thank you? That's what Paul's talking about here. Why should we do that? To lift him up, to know that that we care. In love because of their hard work. And don't do it because I said to. Do it because your heart is there. And give him a true thanks for working so hard to represent our church. Something that we the church should be doing ourselves We're just going to continue to read here. So verse 14. Um, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage and disheartened. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. This is one place that I wanted to camp out a little bit. Are you idle today? When was the last time you asked yourself, what can I do for the church? What can I do for the body of Christ? And not just show up and say, what can the church do for me? Here's a quote that I heard a few years ago. And it, really, it really sparked and it really stuck. If everyone put as much into church as you did, what would the church look like? Now, I'm not saying that we don't have servants here in the church, as we do. We have many servants, more than the national average, I would say. We have lots of people 
who give lots of time, who give lots of money, who give lots of resources, who give lots of skills. But can't we do more? Not all are meant to give exactly the same thing. That's not what I'm saying either. But all are meant to give more. Nobody ever approached Jesus and did He say, just give me a little. No, what did He tell them? If they said, what do I need to do? He said, give up everything and follow me. No, not one time did Jesus ever say, just give up this, this little corner right here of your life. Just give that to me and you'll be good. Jesus always wanted them to give more. Give all of yourself. He wants a closer relationship with you. And let me speak to the men specifically here. We need more men on Wednesday nights. We need more examples for men to be examples to children that are here on Wednesday nights. The women outnumber us every single time. And I know that we can do better. I know that you can give 15 minutes. That's all that's been asked before. Just give 15 minutes. When the kids start rolling in, 15 minutes to be here to talk to somebody. That's not hard. That's not much. Like I've mentioned before, our leadership is dwindling. We just had two people that are on staff leave. We need people to pick up the slack. This guy, that lady in the back, he can't carry us that long. Daniel's a big, strong guy. I've seen him lift lots of weight. He can't, he can't carry us that long. I asked Daniel the other day, he was standing over in the old gym. I said, what, how was your day? <clears throat> Lonely. So I got Miss Jerry, though. Thank God for Miss Jerry. And thank you, Miss Jerry, for the work that you do for our church. I don't know where our church would be without Miss Jerry. Now is not the time to be idle. Now is the time to ask yourself, what can I do? Where do I need to go? Where do I belong? Where do I need to help? Where do I fill in? I appreciate, um, and in no way am I preaching this because I'm some great leader, but I will acknowledge that several times this week did I see our deacons at the hospital visiting people. It's awesome. That's exactly what we need to be doing. Verse 15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. It's a golden rule. Nothing to really elaborate on there. 
do good to people. I think we all know that. If you've been in church one time your entire life, you've probably heard that. So move on. Verse 16. Verse 16 says, Rejoice when you're happy. Rejoice when you feel like it. Rejoice when you're at church. No. Verse 16 says, Rejoice always. When was the last time that you lifted up a joyful noise that didn't come from here, but came from here? I remember my time after the service last week. After singing, Brother Stewart bringing the word, I remember God just, it, it felt like that God-sized hug I've heard Daniel talk about. You know, that big daddy hug. And when I left the church, it was like, it didn't matter what was going on in the world. Everything was at peace. Verse 16 telling us that there will never be a time where the love of Jesus Christ gets outweighed by the things that are going wrong in your life. Rejoice always. We should always be able to proclaim some good news that what Christ is doing in our lives. If nothing else, we should be able to rejoice. Jesus died for me. And I'm His son. Or I'm His daughter. So are you missing Jesus because you're not rejoicing? Verse 17. Pray continually. We just had Brother Clayton leave and on his heart was always prayer. So this one should be very close to home. We should know that we should pray continually because we are in a constant state of vulnerability. And if we're that vulnerable, shouldn't we want to talk to the one that's in control? Brother Doug just got up and prayed. Um, the search committee is looking for the next leader of this church. Please, please, please do all of us a favor and pray for us. So that we see the man God's leading to us. And that that man sees the direction that God's leading him. It shouldn't be about what the search committee wants. 
It should be about God's will. Pray that, that our eyes are open, that His eyes are open. All to God's will for our church. Pray we'll see Him that as our new leader and um, all God chosen, not, not what we want as a committee, not what you want as a church, but the direction that God wants our church to go. And speaking of prayer, this is one thing I'm still not good at. But did you pray before you came today to meet with the Holy God? Did you pray to, for God to prepare you to be in His presence? You know, when, when we look at the, the, the Old Testament, um, before the high priest could go into, uh, into the, the room or the, behind the veil, man, there was so many things he had to do. Wash, change clothes. I think maybe every time... He got blood from a sacrifice. He would have to change clothes again. I mean, they made preparation. And if he walked in that room and wasn't prepared, dead. Are we prepared to come here? Like I said, I, this is um, this is one thing that I'm that I'm weak at. I, um, my prayer life is not where it should be, I know. Um, but I am learning those lessons. Um, you know, as you get older in life, you, you learn to do things a better way. Smarter, not harder. And, uh, you know, I, I, I try to put things on my shoulders. Um, I try to tell myself that, you know, before we worship, you know, as long as I can remember these words or as long as I can hit this chord or as long as I can hit this note, as long as I can remember this phrase, and I get in a hurry and I try to put things on my shoulders that I can't carry and I forget that I'm not in control. That my works don't matter. It's God's work that matters. I'm the clay. He's the potter. I'm the sower. I'm the fertilizer. I'm the plower. I'm the waterer. But God yields the crop. It's not about me. It's about Him. And I'm beginning to learn that I, if I ask Him, where am I going? Prepare me for where I'm going. Make a way for me to go. Things go much smoother. <laughs> Maybe you're missing Jesus because you're not talking to him enough. We must pray continually 
verse 17 says. Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, thank God that He's in control. And even in the circumstances that we don't understand, circumstances that we don't like, circumstances that we probably put ourselves in because of our own stupidity, God's in control. And whether we believe it or not, He has our best interest at heart. Have you thanked God lately just for, just for life in general? Verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Where is God asking you to go? Where is He asking you to fill in? We just talked about we don't need people to be idle. We need leaders we need servants we need people to fill in and help where is he asking you to serve you know quenching the spirit is is basically not doing what god's asking you to do just like in worship when you get that when you get that feeling that, that feeling of just i mean it's joy is what it is just trying to come out and 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 you're your physical appearance doesn't match the inside, what God's doing in your heart. Quenching the Spirit. Are you quenching the Spirit? Is there somebody in your life that God wants you to tell them about Jesus Christ? If you can't think of somebody that you need to tell about Jesus Christ, just pray about it. He'll show them to you. Because there is someone, I promise. There is someone that needs to know Jesus Christ that's in your life that only you can reach. Are you quenching the Spirit? Verse 20. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Daniel's message, uh, I guess it was two Sundays ago, is that right? Was that he said that he believes that our church is standing on the banks of the Jordan and we're ready walking to the land that God has promised us for years and years and years. And maybe that's a vague prophecy to you, but I believe him. That's what Daniel believes God has prophesied to him. And it makes sense with Scripture, because Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray that out of His righteous riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. You realize that God has a plan for our church that's bigger than we could that we can measure, that's bigger than than what we understand. If Jesus Christ's love is so great and he wants to fill us with that love then wouldn't his plan be, I mean, does anybody in here fully understand the love of Jesus Christ? I mean, I I think that's that's part of, of what the Bible talks about working out your salvation. Like, you're, you're saved on the day, but as you go through life, you should just continually work it, drawing closer to God. Paul's just saying here in a different way that Jesus Christ's love should compel us, should move us. In verse 21, 1 Thessalonians 5 again, verse 21, he says, test that. We just did. We tested it with Scripture. God says, I want to do more than you can imagine. You just got to show up and say, where are we going? What do we do? What do we need to do? Let's get to work. So what if we started to do some of these things that Paul's talked about here? You know, Paul's telling the, the, the Thessalonians this to, you know, these are the things that, that should be going on in your church. This is how you make your church thrive. This is how to be a good Christian. What is this church capable of doing in this community? If we can treat each other like this, what are we able to take outside these walls? And maybe you're here and this whole love of Christ thing is confusing to you. Uh, you don't know whether you have a relationship with, with Christ or not. Um, that's easy. You can come up here and talk. You talk to me. If you don't want to talk to me, just find somebody. We can work it out. God will work it out. If you need to understand Jesus Christ's love more, here's the altar. As speaking of the music, thank you, Mr. Lynn. As our music comes back up on the stage, um, 
Pray with me right now. What, where is God asking you to move? Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you for your word and just what it means that it's true and living and infallible and, and it's never wrong. It doesn't contradict itself. Um, God, I just ask that you would, you know each and every heart here and, and you know what each and every heart needs. And God, I, would, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would move, that it would convict and, and that, um, you know, lives would be changed all through your word, God. Um, just uh, give them boldness, God. I know it's scary to, to, to get up and it's scary to, 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 um, to just turn your life over to you. You know, it just doesn't seem right to do something that just, doesn't make sense in our minds but God that's just the human part of us Uh, that's not the spiritual part of us God just convict us today in Jesus name we pray amen